0: Good morning, it's good to see you today, we had a good first service, lots of folks have been coming I think to first service and then going, doing other things during the day and so, uh, but I'm grateful that you've come to be a part of this 11 o'clock service today as we worship our Lord and as we listen for a word from him. If you're visiting with us, we have a tear off on our bulletin, we'd like for you to fill that out. If uh, you have a prayer concern, you can write that and place it in the offering plate as well. And we would be grateful to, uh, to have that. Um, the opportunities of the week are listed on the back of your bulletin. Uh, please be in prayer each day for the Dominican Republic mission trip. Our 15 made it safely after a couple of delays in airports. And uh, they have been working uh, yesterday and today. I'm sure they're worshiping with the church they team with down there and doing other things as well. So we need to remember them. They're all safe. And uh, several of us get text messages from them or from Dwight in the evening and they tell us about their day. So uh, each day uh, we we can have an update from them to know what's going on. But we do need to remember them in our prayers as they are um, in the Dominican telling others about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. On Tuesday, on Monday night at 6.30, we have the rescheduled church council in the small dining room. On Tuesday, um, the new member team will meet at 6.30. And on Wednesday, we will have Bible study at 11 and then a covered dish supper at 5.30, followed by our quarterly business meeting, which will be at uh, 6.15. And remember, we need 40 to have a quorum uh, for that meeting. And then following the quarterly business meeting we're going to have an ice cream social in the Family Life Center. So hopefully that's enough incentive to get 40 people to come and be a part uh, of, we want more, of course, but uh, to be a part of our business meeting on Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, the teenagers are going to Tang and Biscuit and the sewing class at 5 p.m. and the team at 7. And I believe that is all of our announcements because... um, It is a very busy week, and uh, the main thing, though, I want to emphasize is you see each day to please be in prayer for our Dominican Republic team. Thank you, and now let us worship God.
1: Oh, have you looked around, have you heard the sound of Mama's crying, or do you turn away when you see the face of the innocent dying? In these darkest days, are you not afraid that it's too late? You gotta get down on your knees, believe, hold your hands and beg and plead. Gotta keep on praying. You gotta cry, rain, tears of pain, pound the floor and scream his name, cause we're still worth saving. Can't go on like this and live like this, we can't love like this, we gotta give this world back to God. Have you lost love? Do you feel like giving up? Has your heart been broken? Are your kids okay? Will they come home safe? Do you lie there hoping? You can make a wish, you can knock on wood, oh, it won't do no good. You gotta get down on your knees, believe, fold your hands and beg and plead. Gotta keep on praying. You gotta cry, rain, tears of pain, pound the floor and scream His name. Cause we're still worth saving Can't go on like this and live like this We can't love like this We gotta give this world back to God you gotta get down on your knees believe hold your hands and beg and plead gotta keep on praying you gotta cry rain tears of pain pound the floor and scream his name cause we're still worth saving can't go on like this and live like this. We can't love like this. You can't hope the best, make a wish. The only answer is, we gotta give this world back to God. Oh, give it back.
0: Of, uh, was a student of Linda's when Linda was teaching, and he will be singing again for us later in service. Thank you, Grayson, for coming and being a part of this. I heard him rehearse the other day and heard him rehearse this morning, too, so I've enjoyed listening to him sing. The flowers this morning that are on the uh, altar table are given in memory of Jim Kennedy by his wife, Diane. And I wanted to point that out to you as they grace our sanctuary this morning. Let's bow for an invocation. Gracious and loving God, into your presence we bow on a day that you have given to us. A day that comes filled with hope because of your grace and mercy shown to us through Jesus Christ. As we come to worship, Father, keep us ever mindful that there are people in the world who do not know you. And we have an obligation and a responsibility to share that message with them. We pray now that you will accept our worship and our adoration, that as we come before you that we might listen, and we might hear, and we might obey. In the name of Jesus, amen.
2: And good morning everybody. Let us stand and sing number 13, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Please join us this morning.
0: Turn, if you'll keep your hymnal and turn to uh, Responsive Reading, page number 624. And we will read as we are directed. I will be the worship leader and follow along. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
2: mouth one confesses resulting in salvation I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day
0: my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you because you have redeemed me blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ
2: In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he had lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his Lord. May the Lord add the the blessing, the reading of his word. And now we'll stand and sing number 599 soon and very soon. Please stand, number 599. <laughs>
3: blessed day is it not do you realize that every morning you open your eyes you've been given an opportunity by the lord an opportunity to praise his name and an opportunity to share the gospel of what he has meant in your life we all as christian believers need to make sure we don't miss out on that opportunity to share that word with somebody around you who may need it let's go to God in prayer father A few of your believers have gathered here this morning, O Lord, and we come to lift up your name. We praise you, O God, because you have been so merciful and so good to us. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the blessing of life. And now, O Lord, as we bring our tithes and offerings before you this morning, not because we feel that we have to do this, but because you asked us to do it. We are to bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. So, Lord, we bring these here, and however you see fit to use them, O Lord, we praise you for that. We ask, O God, that you bless each and every person here. Bless the giver as well as the gift, O God, and let it be used in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: They tell me Jesus died for my transgressions. And that he paid that price a long, long time ago. When he gave his life for me on a hill called Calvary. But there's something else. I want to know Does he still feel the nails Every time I fail Does he hear the crowd cry crucify again Am I causing him pain then I know I've got to change. I just can't bear the thought of hurting him. It seems that I'm so good at breaking promises, and I treat his precious grace so carelessly but each time he forgives oh what if he relives the agony he felt on that tree does he still feel the nails Every time I fail Does he hear the crowd Cry crucify again? Am I causing him pain? Then I know I've got to change I just can't bear the thought Of hurting him crucified you Jesus with my sin oh I'm tired of playing games I really want to change I never want to hurt you again oh
0: for being a part of our worship today. Let's bow for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, into your presence we bow again. Thanking you for every good and every perfect gift. Coming before you this morning, Father, recognizing that there are many who need to hear of your grace thanking you that in your word we find meaning to grace. We pray, Father, that as we open your word this morning, that you will open our minds and our hearts to receive it. We pray for those who could not be with us today because of illness, for those who are hospitalized, for those who are recuperating at home, and for those who are back with us after much prayer. We're grateful. For those who have lost loved ones, Father, we lift them before you. And know that you can bring comfort and assurance in the midst of the difficulties. We're thankful, Father, for this church. And for those who have left from us to go to the Dominican Republic. We pray, Father, that you will empower them with your spirit to impart your grace to those who need to hear the good news of salvation. We're thankful for missionaries all around the world who have heard the call and who are serving so that others can know. We're thankful, Father, for all that you do. And all that you can do. We're thankful for providing for us in ways that we never even know. We're grateful, Father. That as we open your word, you have words for us. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1 is our Scripture lesson this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Just how can we comprehend the majesty of God? By removing faults that limit the greatness of the majesty of God from our beings. We need to show the majesty of God in our words and actions every day and start letting people know where we stand in relationship to God. It is not with great trumpets or magnificent choirs, but it is often in simple acts of service that we reflect and reveal the glory and majesty of God. Maybe it's while you're at home, maybe at work, maybe on the ball field, but reflect God in your words and actions because people are watching. Maybe it's while driving on the highway and being courteous and careful or when you display a different attitude than any of your coworkers at work. Maybe it is out there in a world that seems so alienated from God that you can't just consistently day You can just consistently day after day witness, share, reflect and reveal the majesty of God in how you conduct your life. Majesty. No other word in the English language quite captures the tone and the imagination of Ephesians like this word. Although we are not privy to the occasion of the epistle, we nevertheless recognize that Paul desired to fire the believer's imaginations with a new vision of a majestic God who works mightily in the world through His grace. Such a perspective promised to create in his readers and in us a new identity for them to live effectively in a world that did not know God. In Ephesians, Paul summoned his audience to participate in this new reality, this new creation by which God intended to redeem the world. One of the most familiar words in the Christian's vocabulary is the word grace. Many years ago, a theologian with tongue-in-cheek wrote a book entitled Grace is Not a Blue-Eyed Blonde trying to shock us into realizing that we throw around many theological terms and words not truly understanding what they mean. The initial declaration of praise in verse 3 sets the stage for all that follows in these verses that I read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The blessings which Paul enumerated in the verses following are bestowed by God in Christ. For Paul, this means at least two things. First, in an instrumental sense, Christ is the one through whom God has acted to redeem the world. Jesus is the one who has redeemed us by his death and resurrection. Second, in an incorporative sense, Christ is the place where believers are located. Through baptism, as believers, we have identified with the crucified and risen Jesus and have entered a vital union in him. The redemption and the benefits of this vital union constitute the spiritual blessings Paul had in mind as he began his letter to the Ephesians. The word grace and its related words appear in Holy Scripture about 200 times. The first reference to grace is found in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 where we read that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now that's important. That shows us from the very beginning that God is gracious. The final appearance of the word in the Bible is recorded in Revelation twenty-two, twenty-one. 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Indeed, we need a firm grasp on the doctrine of grace, for it is the foundation on which the other doctrines rest. When Paul mentions divine grace has been displayed, this prompts him to a larger treatment of the theme. Membership in God's family are made possible on the ground of redemption, but his deliverance is not effected without cost, for it is by the offering of his blood, his life given gladly in obedience to the Father's will, that Christ obtained his people's liberation from the tyranny of evil and gave them the assurance of pardon. Christ is what grace produced. So we want to look at grace this morning. We see in verse 7 and 8, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So let's look at the conception of grace. First, let's examine the word itself. In the original language of our New Testament, the word implies a favor freely done. The word for gift springs from the same root. The Greeks used the word to describe favor shown to a friend. When Jesus came and died on the cross, grace leaped from its confinement as an expression only to friends and included enemies as well. Think about that. As Paul said, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had much to say about Christians' relationships with fellow humans. He said that terribly hard thing, love your enemies. Understanding that grace would have to be affected. And his concern that our love for enemies would degenerate into an artificial emotion. He went a little further. He said in Matthew 5, Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus had a grasp on grace. And we will never understand what has been done for us. Through Jesus Christ until we understand the power of this grace. We need to understand that grace goes beyond our salvation. Grace becomes the spring from which all blessings flow from God. Because we are reminded that there is nothing that we could do. We need the grace of God. In other words, he who saves us by grace also brings us into the sphere of grace and endows us with all the blessings and favors that accompany this divine expression of love. In fact, this attitude of God was hinted at in the Old Testament. In Exodus twenty-two twenty-seven, 27 we read, It shall come to pass when he cries unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. Isn't that wonderful that God defined himself as gracious? I will hear him. I will take care of him because I am gracious. Similar expressions are also found in Nehemiah and Jonah. Paul wrote in Romans that God abounds in grace. The word translated abound means to exist in superabundance. All of God's dealings with his people are filtered through his marvelous grace. Thus we can be eternally grateful that God deals with us through grace and not justice. Because if we got what we deserved, it would not be grace. And God loves us enough. To show us His grace. And once we have that grace, it is our responsibility to go and to tell. We can't tell if we don't believe that we've received the gift. You see, it's a gift. When I'm given a gift of some significance, I like to tell people. Show it to people. There is no greater gift that any of us have received in our lives when we receive Jesus Christ than God's grace. And that grace then should define who we are for the remainder of our earthly existence. Redemption and forgiveness are but part of the entire work of Christ. What the apostle terms the mystery of his will embraces the universe in its scope. For it is a plan for the fullness of time. That means it is a plan which God will fulfill in his own way. And according to his invincible will, Jesus himself prayed, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then we must be reminded of the sufficiency of, of grace, How can we say that God's grace is all sufficient? It is true simply because grace comes to us from the glorious and transcendent nature of God himself. It is part of who God is. It is one of His infinite attributes and it is the result of the eternal counsel and purpose of His will. We must not forget that grace is an act, not just a favor or a gift from God. Grace reveals what God is as well as what He does. He imparts grace to us. Grace comes through Christ. There is no other way that humankind could have received the grace of God. Jesus' life on earth was a platform from which grace was displayed. The writer of Hebrews summed it up this way. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every person. Paul speaks of the riches of God's grace. What are some of them? When God freely gives sinners eternal life through grace, He credits them with a perfect righteousness. That is, when God observes Christians, sinners saved by grace, He sees them not in their continued imperfections and sins, but clothed in the righteousness that was imputed to them through their faith in Jesus Christ. Grace changes how God sees us. This elevates Christians to an impregnable position with God because of his grace. A further provision of God's all-sufficient grace is that it makes us to be, and this is important, at peace with God. We all long for peace. And what better peace than peace with God? We all struggle with the reality of our doubts and our fears and our shortcomings. But we can lay all that aside if we will embrace God's grace and say, You have given this to me, God, and I receive it freely by my faith. And now I'm at peace. Also a vital benefit of God's grace is the believer's accessibility to God through prayer. Christians are enjoyed to come boldly to the throne of grace to make their requests known to God. When we understand grace, we understand God in a way that we didn't understand Him before and we understand then the power of prayer. And then there's the scope of grace. Paul told Titus that God's grace is for all people. Someone has said that if you take the G from grace, you have the word race. Grace is for all within the human race. For all stand on one common ground, namely that of being sinners. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. From beginning to end, the gospel presents the universality of God's saving grace. And once we have that grace, we must share that grace. There's one thing we must understand clearly about God's grace. Grace does not imply that God passes by any person's sin or takes it lightly. Sin is so horribly base in God's sight that He can in no way tolerate it. God sees the sinner utterly ruined, hopeless and helpless and the triumph of grace is seen in Calvary where heaven's love and heaven's justice meet. There Christ bore the curse of human sin, and with God's hatred against sin vindicated on the basis of His grace, He can now forgive the sinner. The way to Christ, however, is the same for both Jews and Gentiles alike. Hearing the word of truth is the first step. It is followed by a trustful acceptance of him of whom it speaks. The Holy Spirit gives to the person who is newly baptized his own witness in terms of an assurance that he belongs to God's people as Israel was God's inheritance under the old covenant. And grace is God's part. But faith is ours. We simply accept by faith the grace of God. We do not grow into grace, but we do grow in grace. Once we are made sharers of divine grace, it becomes a progressive force in our lives. John says that there is grace upon grace. Grace is not just a seed in the heart that lies dormant, but a blade, an ear, then the full corn in the ear. As the roots spread, the plant grows. Grace grows within. And the more in love we fall with God's grace, the more apt we are to share it. The scope of God's grace never widens because it's wide enough As Christians start to grow in grace, they grow in spiritual stature toward God and grow smaller and smaller in their own eyes. See how grace then expands as we shrink? Through grace one grows out of self-conceit, for grace subdues self. Furthermore, growing in grace means that all of the virtues of the Christian life, the fruit of the Spirit Paul describes in Galatians chapter 5, grow proportionately As we grow in grace, the growth of corruption is hindered. The flowers of grace prevent the weeds of sin from spreading. And we grow towards God. The hymn writer said it best, "O oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wondering heart to thee. There was once a ship in distress on the high seas because its water supply had run out. The crew was in danger of dying from thirst, though there was water all around them. When hope was almost gone, they sighted a ship in the distance. At once they sent up distress signals. The only answer they got as they signaled to the passing ship that they were without water was dip it up. What heartless mockery to tell those sailors to dip up buckets of salt water. They signaled again. But the same answer came back, dip it up. In despair they lowered a bucket. Imagine their amazement and joy when the water proved to be fresh water. They thought they were yet on the high seas, but they had drifted into the mouth of the Amazon River. Where 60 miles out into the Atlantic Ocean, you find fresh water. That's how powerful grace is. This is, why, this is the way it is with the grace of God. Countless souls are dying of spiritual thirst today when all around them there is available the saving grace of God. All they need to do is by faith dip it up. But we too have a responsibility. We need to be the ones to tell them to dip it up. And by faith God's grace will save. Shall we pray? Gracious God, as you identify yourself, we bow in your presence again with thanksgiving in our hearts for grace. For in grace, Father, we find our sense of being. For by grace are we saved through faith. We pray, Father, that you will increase our faith as the disciples prayed. We pray, Father, that you will give us a burdened heart to share the grace that we have with others as we tell the story of salvation. We pray, Father. That if there be one in this room at this time who has never given their life in faith to God in grace. That your spirit would speak to them. And that they would hear and respond. Forgive us, Father, for failing to understand the power of your grace. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Grace is indeed an invitation. An invitation to come to the Lord. And allow His grace to fill you. But it can only come through faith. I trust that if you have never received Christ as Savior, that you will allow Christ to save you. By the power of his grace. The invitation is open to anyone who had received Christ. To anyone. As we contemplate our relationship to God's grace. Where are we? In allowing grace to abound in our lives. Will you stand as we sing our invitation hymn number 101. 101. Just perfect for what we talked about. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. What a joy to know what grace has wrought. Let's bow for a benediction. Loving Father, as we leave today, we call you gracious because you have called yourself gracious and we are grateful that we can be part of this journey as we by faith commit ourselves to Jesus Christ. Speak to us, Father, as we leave today, as we impart grace to others and share with them the grace that has delivered us so that they too can hear. And receive. In the name of Jesus. Amen.